Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. Hope everything is going well for you guys. I always want to hear from you. I want to know what you think, what you don't like, what you like, what we could do differently. Because the reason we do all this is for you to be able to have a place to come, get your ideas heard, let us educate, let us answer your questions, and let us build a community that's strong and understandable and raising healthy, safe children. So last week we talked about when perfection isn't perfect. Interesting. We learned a lot about perfectionism. Uh, what is a perfectionist? Are they difficult to work with? Why are they difficult to work with? Why do they struggle to meet deadlines? And even though they're trying to be perfectionistic, why are they not on time? Learned a lot about the analyzing of the value of failure because there is a role of that in all of our lives to really teach a lesson. We talked about the role of parents and what they play in the, in the lives of their children and how they can and cannot guide their child to be a perfectionist. And is that a good thing or not a good thing? So take a listen. All of my podcasts are on my website at www.drsophie.com or on my iTunes free phone app. It's called Dr. Sophie on Call. Today, we are talking about emotional connection. I think that's the whole substance of life. If we don't have an emotional connection, we're always in our head. And against better judgment, you're going to hit a wall. So you better feel because my big thing is part of your head, part of your heart, got to meet and come out your mouth. 50-50. So we're going to be talking about emotional connection today. What does it mean to be emotionally connected? Many people say it, but I don't know if they are. Is emotional connectedness really related to an evolutionary glitch in our brain? Is it something that just actually happens on its own? Are we genetically geared for it or not geared for it? What is all that about? And where then does anxiety and depression come about then into this whole equation? So take a listen, learn, ask me questions, email me, call me, one eight five five sophie now one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. Today with me is our expert, Raphael Kushner. He is a leading voice in the world of emotional intelligence. I love that. The EQ or the is different than the IQ, and I'm going to ask him all about that if he believes in that. And he is also a uh, leading voice in present moment awareness. He's going to tell us what that is. He shared his unique approach to personal and professional development with millions of readers in O, the magazine of Oprah, and many other places. He is the author of three previous books, Lectures Worldwide, is a faculty member of the Esalen Institute, and he's just been all over. He's going to tell us everything there is to know about being emotionally connected because that is the way to live your life. Raphael, are you with us? I am. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you for giving me your time. So I want to hear a little bit about you. Tell me what you want to know. Well, um, what is present moment awareness? Is that different than mindfulness? Well, it's related to mindfulness. Uh, you, When you are mindful, you are definitely aware in the present moment. Um, but the emotional realm, which is where I've chosen over the years to focus because I think it's the place where most of us get tripped up, requires a certain kind of mindfulness. And the best way I can describe it is that many people who have learned mindfulness in one place or another watch their thoughts, they watch their sensations, and it's as if the movie is going by in their mind and they watch the movie without getting attached or reactive to the different things that go past. Yeah. It's really helpful. It's a huge um, benefit for anybody who can learn it. But emotions actually need you to get up close and personal. I think of emotions as they move through our body as waves 
And I like to tell people that you can't surf a wave from the shore. Mm. So, so when you have an emotion, you actually need to bring your present moment attention to the place in your body where you're having the experience, and that's the difference. Interesting. And so how then do you translate that into a definition of emotional connectedness? Well, let's start then with, the, with what's the definition of emotion, and that's very complicated, but I like to extrapolate something that's really simple and easy uh, for myself and for other people, and that's to say that an emotion is a message from your mind that is delivered to your body as a physical sensation. And the reason that that definition is so important is, first of all, I said mind as opposed to brain because we know now that the sum total of our experience, of our, yeah, of our, 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 our knowing isn't just in our brain. We've got the second brain, which is our gut. We've got heart intelligence. So our knowing is distributed throughout our body. And then the other thing that's key in that definition is that emotions are physical. The only place that you will ever experience the arising, the shifting, and ultimately the dissipating of an emotion is in your physical body. And so coming back to your original question of what is emotional connection, it's the ability to recognize that you're having an emotional experience, to find it in your body, and to stay with it as long as it needs you to in order for you to receive the message because the message of an emotion isn't the meaning of it or what you should do about it that comes later but in my definition when i say message what i mean is simply the physical sensation and when you feel an emotion's physical sensation sufficiently the message is received and then the emotion dissipates and leaves you in a more present open an expanded state of awareness. I love it because that's exactly what I tell my patients in different words. And so would you say then that that thing coming from your mind, the emotion, the message, it's physical or translates as a physical thing because of brain chemistry? Or what role do you think brain chemistry plays in all of that reaction you just described? Well, I think it's maybe most helpful to talk about it as just the nature of our organism that um, messages do come sometimes from the brain, sometimes they come from the gut, as I mentioned, or the heart. But we're wired as emotional creatures to experience emotions directly, and the body is the means for doing so. Um, and so when we are synced up and working well in our brain, and when we're working well throughout our whole body, that whole feedback mechanism of the emotions gives a real practical meaning to what we keep talking about in terms of the mind-body connection, because ultimately feeling our emotions directly in our body is the, emo the mind-body connection. Okay, so the way that we would feel an emotion successfully is to ride that whole thing out, like you said, and get the meaning and the message that that emotion is trying to send to us. Stay yeah, with it and, until you get it. Yeah, and so sometimes someone will say to me, you know, I'm feeling frustrated. And I'll say, well, where are you feeling frustrated? And they'll say, in my brain. And I'll say, well, you might be feeling confusion in your brain, but the brain isn't a sensing organ. So do you feel pressure in your head? And I give them an opportunity to reflect once again on how they know they're feeling what they're feeling. And that's a great thing to, to look at for anybody who might be listening. If you're not so sure about what we've been talking about so far, sometimes you might say, I'm sad. 
And it's a great follow-up question to say, well, how do you know you're sad? Right, right. That ultimately takes you to your body, and if you can't connect to your body in that way, or you won't, then you actually can't really know how you're feeling. Exactly. So let's ride out the anger one. What would you say to somebody? They say, you know, Raphael, I'm angry. Okay, so the first thing I'd say is, well, where are you feeling that in your body? And let's say they said, well, you know, it's in my chest. There's a burning feeling in my chest. And I'd say, okay, well, I want you to stay with that for a few moments. Just let it move and shift and do its own thing and follow it up close without trying to interfere, to change it, understand it even, or make it go away. And with anger, usually what happens, it, it will flash inside the body a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, sometimes it might even um, cause someone, if they're willing to, to make a posture or a sound. I'm not talking about like getting into the yelling at someone. I'm just saying there they are with me in, in a session. And so maybe they're just riding the wave inside, or they might just be going, ah! Mm -hmm. And I will just say, you know, stay with it, stay with it. Keep following it without trying to change it. And anger is a particularly important one to talk about. I'm glad you asked that question because anger is what uh, we can call a secondary emotion most of the time. It has a certain power to it, and it's a reaction to when we've been hurt. So most of the time, not always, but most of the time, if you stay with the anger long enough to let it dissipate, it will take you into direct connection with what was underneath in the first place. And before you get to that expanded, peaceful state I described earlier, you probably have to move through the hurt that engendered the anger in the first place. Right. Got it. Okay. So tell me, do we have to be emotionally in tune and connected with ourselves in order for us to connect to others? That's another great question, and I think the answer is emphatically yes, because we can't really be with someone else or there for them without having our own internal experience available to us. So often what happens with people who um, have codependence, for instance, as an issue, right. is they leave their own body and their own consciousness to be there for someone else, and in the process they can't even be present because there's nothing to be present with. Because they didn't bring any tools with them. That's right. And I think that you know when two people are together, there's there are two dances let's say there's the relationship they have um, within themselves between their awareness and their experience right. and then there's the relationship that they have between themselves and the other person and for a relationship to be successful and healthy both people have to be present both within and between and most of our trouble in relationships comes because one or both people aren't first and foremost present within got it so they're not really bringing the whole person with them right they're 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 satisfying some need of their own or the other person and they're lo they're leaving and losing themselves in the process got it okay we got an email from tim he's from new york he's asking for someone to be really close friend does there need to be that deep emotional connection is that is that what makes it a you know close friend well I try not to be reductive. There can be people who are great friends who, who have a meeting of the minds, let's say, and the way they spark with each other could be very fulfilling for them. But I also like to talk about the famous uh, uh, subject in um, brain science, Phineas Gage, who uh, was just like you and me, an ordinary person, until somehow a spike was driven through his head. And he survived 
the only problem was he had no connection to his emotions. He could think rationally and abstractly, but he couldn't feel. And what happened to him is that he became utterly lost and rudderless as a person. He didn't know why he should do one thing over another, which helps us see that our emotions are really the compass from within that helps us understand who we are and how we're meant to move through the world. So if you're not connecting to yourself or someone else on an emotional level, it's not wrong or bad, but it means that there's a certain essence that isn't there in the connection between you. Got it. Okay. We got a caller. Hey, Peter, Dr. Sophie, and Raphael Kushner, how are you? Hi, guys. What's your question? Uh, my question is, I've, um, I've started dating this girl, and we've been dating for a couple months now, and she's a few years younger than I am, and I was just wondering how we could sort of cultivate or foster a stronger emotional connection. Hmm. Do you have a sexual one? Yes, we do. Ah, and what came first, do you think? Um, that's a good question. I guess probably... Probably the the sexual connection. Okay, Raphael, you can take over now. Okay. <laughs> well, the uh, the thing about present moment awareness when it's connected to sexuality is that it changes everything because instead of showing up to get or receive pleasure, we show up to be truly intimate with ourselves and each other, whatever comes. So one quick suggestion for you is before you become sexual, or even just at any time when the two of you feel like it, just sit across from each other and look into each other's eyes for, let's just say, one minute in silence. Because often you get really close. It is very intimate. But the other thing that happens is if there's anything between you, if there's fear, if there's something that hasn't been resolved, it comes up automatically when you gaze together. So I think that's a, a simple but ultimately that's great. very powerful thing for you to try. Can you do that? I, should I warn her before that's coming? Because that might strike her as weird if I just start staring. Yeah, she might think you're having a seizure. <laughs> it's, a, it's something that you would both choose to do together. It wouldn't be something that you would spring on her. Yeah, I mean, you're oh, going okay, to so okay. sit her down and say, you know, I think that we, I want to have a better emotional connection with you. She'll either think that there's something wrong with you or you're falling in love. And then say, you know, I talked to this guy on the radio, and this is what he thinks. Well, how do I get a read on her, though? Because we don't, I guess we don't verbally express our emotions that often to each other. Raphael? Well, uh, there's an invitation there. I would like to express emotions. I'd like to understand better what I'm feeling when I'm with you and what you're feeling when you're with me. Would you be willing to talk about that more? And actually, would you be willing to feel together more? That's a perfect introduction to just that one-minute eye-gazing. I do it with people uh, in my workshops all the time. On the first night of the workshop, some people just fall into a blissful sense of openness and peace. Other people burst into tears because they've never been that close to what they're feeling. So when you take all of the distraction and the trying to get something from each other out of the moment, you're left with who you really are, and that's a great way to get to know each other. I see. Is there there any difference? Because, I mean, I do a bit of of eye-gazing after the act. Is there, uh, is there a big difference between doing it before versus after? I think so. I think I after too. the act, there's, you know, um, there's the oxytocin and there's release and there's a kind of a really nice glow. But sometimes you might have actually skirted around what's going on that might be more vulnerable or emotional 
um, by by discharging together some of that energy. So I think before and after is great. Yeah, because it always feels great after, hopefully, and then you bypass some stuff that you should probably be dealing with before. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, should I be concerned if she doesn't seem, if she seems a little weirded out or not so receptive to the idea of this minute of silence? I don't, I don't know. If I bring it up and then she's sort of, well, that sounds weird, uh, and we're just sitting there and kind of giggling about it. Is it, is it something I should be concerned about, or is it something we should just keep trying? Well, in in my experience, it's good to let there be laughter, let there be silliness, not to try to come across as too stagey or or new agey. Um, and and for yeah. some people, it might not be just the right thing. But if you're if you're coming at it from the idea that I want to get to know you better, I want you to get to know me better, and I want our emotions to be more available to one another, um, there's got to be some way that she'd be comfortable with doing that. And if she isn't really open to doing that. Uh, then there would be a, a, a warning sign there. But I also have to say, to be honest with you, that most women would absolutely love and adore any man that they're with to be asking them for these questions and, the, and giving them these invitations. Most of the people who I come across, women I mean, are, are having the opposite experience where they're saying, how can I drag my man into doing this? So uh, hopefully she'll appreciate what you're offering. Yeah, and because okay. and if she's giggling, it's honestly because she's probably uncomfortable, and you can even ask her that. Yeah, so just be kind of more upfront with each other. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's being connected. All right, cool. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Right. Interesting, huh, Rafael? Oh yes, he's he's a, he's an outlier for sure. Yes. In the sense of really wanting more emotional connection. That's nice. That's very nice. Yeah. She's very lucky. Okay, we have a. Email from Bridget from Laguna. She's asking, I feel my emotions successfully when I listen to my favorite soft music singer who gets me in touch with my warm inner self to the point that tears naturally flow. Does it make sense to chase these away, both the sad ones and the happy tears, or to embrace them? Uh, hmm. To embrace them. Because? That's for a short answer. <laughs> That's I mean, good. There's, there's one little P.S. to that, and I don't think this is necessarily her issue, but some people get confused around tears because they yeah. think that tears naturally means, mean that I'm emotionally connecting. And sometimes tears do come through emotional connection, but sometimes they also come as an outward sign of resistance to emotions. A lot of people are told their whole life, you're too emotional. And that's because they're showing outwardly the friction they're experiencing between the, the pain or sadness or longing they're having, for instance, and their unwillingness to actually feel it directly. So uh, tears or no tears, it's not so important to me. When people are in workshops, you know, some people feel like uh, this person next to me is crying and I'm just sitting here kind of stone-faced. There must be something wrong with me. But I think when you actually connect directly to emotions in the body, it's always different and it's not supposed to look any particular way, tears or anything otherwise. Okay, and explain to me a little bit more or to our listeners when they're laughing and they end up crying. What's going on there? Well, I'm, I'm always thinking of uh, the Joni Mitchell song. She said, laughing and crying, you know, it's the same. Mm -hmm. um, they're so yes. close to one another and also as humans we're complex and we can feel the opposite thing about the same subject so once you start connecting you're actually opening up the space and you're allowing yourself to have the fullness of your experience and when you have that fullness 
laughter and tears could be side by side, instantaneously. So it's nothing to be alarmed about? Not at all. Okay. All right, let's do a voicemail. Hey, Dr. Sophie. My name is Maggie, and I'm calling from Manhattan Beach today. Um, I was actually wondering, I work in an office, um, an investment firm, and I've noticed lately that a couple of my coworkers, one comes to mind in particular, is pretty, pretty emotionally disconnected. Um, you know, when we tell stories or when there's ever office gatherings or meetings or lunches, just very disconnected um, from the rest of us, can't really relate. And in addition to that, he also seems to be kind of dark. He keeps to himself and, you know, for all intents and purposes, seems pretty depressed. And, you know, I wonder if these things could be related. The fact that he, you know, can't connect with those of us in the office and he's also so visibly withdrawn and depressed. I wonder if that has a connection. Hmm. And I was um, hoping if you could help me out with that question. Thanks so much. Interesting. What do you think? Well, I think it gives us a chance to talk for a moment about depression. Um, because in our society, I think that we're very confused about it. Um, the best way I can describe depression from my perspective is that it's exactly what it sounds like, depression. It's a pushing down of what we feel. And the thing about that is when emotions arise in our body and we don't feel them, they don't go away and they keep trying to get felt. They keep trying to bubble back up to the surface so right. we can feel them and they'll release and let go of us. When we don't do that, it takes more and more of our life energy to actually keep the lid on so we get sapped and withdrawn, and that's depression. So in other words, depression is not feeling sadness or grief or loneliness or abandonment. Those are just part of the natural human experience. Depression is saying, I will not and cannot have that experience. And I think that a person who is dark, in the way that the, the voicemailer was describing, um, most likely is in some kind of depressive spiral. And so they're related, yes, um, and at the same time, when it's a person who we're not that close to, their own internal life really isn't our business so much. So all we can really do to support them or to help the workplace be more peaceful is just let them know we're there if they need us, and model what it's like to take the lid off and to feel yeah. what we're feeling and to show how that allows us to trust each other more, um, to be closer, and then to work better together. Yeah, that's really well said. And so, and provide emotional safety for that other person in a role model to see that it's okay to open up? Yeah, I think so. And, and again, you know, uh, workplaces are funny because on the one hand, we're there with people like inches away every day, but it's not necessarily a safe emotional environment or a place to be vulnerable. So um, it's hard sometimes in trying to draw someone out because they know that there's a lot of risk and vulnerability in a professional environment. It's also hard to have a lot of feelings in a professional environment. That's why I tell people sometimes that's what bathroom stalls are for. You know, you can't, it's not safe in the staff meeting or in your cubicle to be moving through a lot of emotion. But if you need to do that for your well-being, you've got to find a safe private place to do it before you go back to work. Got it. Okay. We have one more email from Connor from Key West. He's saying, is it possible 
to have too strong of an emotional connection and to be a slave to it. Is there a better or gauged ideal level of emotional connection we should strive for? So I think that's a great question because one the, the, the first kind of resistance that most of us experience to emotions is, I won't or I can't feel this. But there's a second kind of resistance, which is to say, um, I hold on to an emotion longer than the emotion needs to hold on to me. And that in that way, we end up wallowing, which isn't really the connection I'm talking about. When I was younger, for instance, I thought that it was more soulful to be sad mm. than anything else. So I would put on my best Leonard Cohen impersonation and just be sad to be soulful when my being didn't necessarily want me to be uh. sad. That wasn't what was arising. So if you find that you're feeling intensely emotional all the time, it may be because you're holding on to those emotions. And when you surf them, meaning that you ride them without trying to control them, I don't think anybody really finds themselves a slave to their emotions. Right. Emotions want to be met and experienced, and then they naturally move to a lesser intense state and ultimately to a more peaceful one as well. Got it. Wow, great information. Thank you so much. Tell me where we can find you, and I want to hear about some of these books you wrote. Sure. Well, my website is kushner.com, and that's C-U-S-H-N-I-R.com. Lots of information about all we're talking about today, lots of free stuff there. Um, before I tell you about me, I just want to say, Dr. Sophie, I'm so grateful that you're out there because as a psychiatrist, you also are an outlier with your passion for this work. You're not really talking about medicating these problems away, so I want to salute you for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not a big medicator. No, and, and, uh, but to come back to your question about me, the book that I wrote that covers what we're talking about in the fullest possible way is called The One Thing Holding You Back, uh. Unleashing the Power of Emotional Connection. And you can order or get that book anywhere. And then there's a book that's um, personal essays that cover the same approach in a, in a gentler way for beginners, you know, kind of a bedside book with nice colored pictures. That's called Surfing Your Inner Sea. Ooh. You should be able to get that anywhere as well. Love it. All right. Raphael Kushner, kushner.com. We will jump on to you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Today. We'll have you back. All right. Thanks Bye -bye. very much. Wow. That was interesting. Lots of emotional connectedness. You guys have to listen to this stuff. It's really intense. There's some great books. Our expert, Raphael Kushner, kushner.com. Lots of great information on his website. His books are good. The One Thing Holding You Back is a good one. Uh, unleashing Power of Emotional Connectedness. I mean, these are things we all need to learn and really take a look at. So look it up, listen to it. But I think the most important four key things for you to take away from today is recognizing, number one, that you have an emotion and the emotion is a message from your mind and that emotion is going to send a message and you have to ride it until you receive the message. So that means not being frightened when you feel an emotion, not shutting down, not disconnecting or not saying or denying or holding back a tear or ignoring a feeling. The bottom line is it's a message from your brain that you need to accept and ride through it. And the best thing to do is as you're riding through it to envision it as a a wave and that was the second piece you need to take away look at an emotion as if you're surfing that emotion and you're riding it all the way through 
without fear of what the other side is going to be and then letting it naturally progress to the next level of letting go. If you uh, allow an emotion to come in and ride it and let it go, that process is a natural one that will go on on its own. People are afraid oftentimes and they hold on to their emotions or they ignore their emotions because they're afraid to ride it through, but ride it through. And number three, you must be or we must be always in tune with ourselves, which therefore means we need to be emotionally connected because if we're not going to be emotionally connected within ourselves, we're not there going to successfully emotionally connect to anyone else. So number three, got to be connected within yourself. And number four, remember any successful relationship, whether it's business, marriage, parent, child, whatever it is, sibling, sibling, if there are not two emotionally connected people connecting, then it's a disconnect. And so therefore the message is get emotionally connected so that you can connect to someone who also is emotionally connected and then have an emotionally connected relationship. And that's where you will find success in your marriages, in your work relationships, and all those other relationships that may seem to be limping along because one or the other are not emotionally connected within themselves. So take a look, get a mirror, learn. All right, you guys, thank you for uh, listening, for the calls, for the voicemails, the emails. They're really great. They help us and they stimulate great thoughts and questions. My uh, podcasts are always available on my website at www.drsophie.com and on my iTunes phone app, which is free. Go check it out, Dr. Sophie on call. Voicemail is always there for you at 1-855-767-4966. My book, Side by Side, the Revolutionary Mother-Daughter Program for Conflict-Free Communication is available all over the place. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing is don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. You gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. I know it's hard.